This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The share it with a friend deal. Even if that friend is yourself. Your McDonald's, your rules. Live your best morning with BOGO breakfast sandwiches only on the McDonald's app. Now buy one bacon, egg, and cheese McGriddles or sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and get a second one free. Valid for item of equal or lesser value. Limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid one per day. Excludes one, two, three dollar menu. Visit McDonald's app for details. Download and registration required. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome again to Cottage Talk. This is our post-match show of Fulham's 2-0 victory against Wigan Friday night. Joining me is Jan Shanaeus and Max Cohen. We're going to be talking about everything to do with this match, breaking it down. We'll also be focusing at the end of the show, who was the man of the match? I think that's a very interesting question. But before we do anything else, always have to welcome my co-host back to the show. And we get to talk about a victory, which is always a good thing. First, Mr. Cohen, how you doing? I'm doing great, Russ. You know, what better way to start the weekend than a Friday night win? And just one little fact for you, for you guys, we're only four points off top of the league. Yes. So that just shows, yes, we're in 10th place, but it's still early on and it's so tight. We are still very much in this league. And just a run of wins, which I think we can go on, is something that can happen. Yeah, I totally agree with that, Max. And I'm glad that you mentioned that. It's funny because when I did the show with Emilio after the match, Nottingham Forest were in first place, and I'm thinking, this isn't going to stick. You know, I mean, they're not going to be there in the end, I don't think, even though they beat Fulham. So it's really tight. They're not that far off, and all it takes is a good run, and then uh, Fulham can be on their way. So now it's in their hands. They needed a victory. This is a massive victory for Fulham. Mr. Janaeus, how are you doing, my friend? In a very good mood. Always lovely to beat Wagon. And uh, always great to to knock the wheels off the wagon. So very pleased with three points. And um, we've got to, play, to uh, talking about this game. It's a good game to watch. Okay, excellent. All right, well, Max, I'm going to start with you. Just give me your opening thoughts of what you watched Friday night. I don't know if anything has changed since two days later. It's now Sunday. Just just your thoughts on the, on the match overall. 2-0 victory. 
Yeah, I mean, it was we, we got a job done. That's the most important thing. But it, it wasn't it wasn't Millwall territory. That's the thing. I think everyone's kind of measuring our performances at home against poor teams against that great 4-0 win, which was around a month ago. And we still have not hit those heights. I think it might be teams are figuring us out or we haven't really hit third or fourth gear or whatever. But it was it was decent. It was working like there are times when we played well. There are also times when I thought we let Wigan back in the match too much. Too much. But at the end of the day, we got that 2-0 win. That's what's important. Uh, and just a confidence to get that second goal when it looked like we might have just let them back in the game. Okay, excellent. Mr. Janaeus, your opening thoughts. Uh, Wagon are a better team than the one that went down. Um, and I think that uh, Paul Cook's done a pretty good job with them. And I, I, I believe we'd win it by one or two. It should have been a regulation win, but they, they, they caused a few problems. They're, they're not going to get relegated. I think the bottom three <laughs> sort of looks funny now. You've got yep. um, Blundersfield, Stock, and Burnsley down there. Um, rooted to the bottom, always a bit of fun. But I thought we played well enough to get the points, and it sets us up for um, two more winnable games coming up against very boring Reading. <laughs> and what should be a good game against Charlton and, yes. and Lee Bowyer's mob, and he's done a great job with them as a super win against Leeds. So uh, winnable games coming up. We've got a pretty good schedule, but uh, you know teams like this can... Sometimes derail you. It could be a bit of a banana skin, but we, it was a professional performance. We got the job done. Absolutely, and that's going to lead me to go back to because a talking point for me coming out of this, and now it's been a couple of days. I really had time to think about this, Giannis. Yeah. Why do you think we struggled against Wigan? What, did this have more to do with Wigan's approach? I was talking to Emilio about this, or Scott Parker's approach with Fulham, how we were set up. I'm curious your thoughts on. The first half is specifically, we'll be going through it, but Fulham really struggled to play against this Wigan team. Is this more to do with them or more to do with Fulham? I think it's a bit of both. I think, um, as I said, I think they're a better side than, than you know, often fans are trying to equate them with the team that got relegated. And I think they're a considerably better side than the team that got relegated a couple of years back. And they're, they're um, I thought they were set up well, set up to frustrate. It's always difficult to come to the cottage. And um, we needed to find our feet. And I think that you've also got to take, even though it's, you know, it's been a week since, you've also got to take into account our last result and the manner of the way we, you know, dropped two points. Um, sometimes it takes it, you know, it's not like playing three days later where you, can, you can't wait to get out on the field and, you know, just get the job done because you're, you know, you're still angry about, the, you know, the result before. I thought they set up okay, you know, and, and they were they were disciplined. Uh, I didn't think they were ever going to beat us, but I did think they were going to frustrate us and, and cause us, you know, few, few problems in terms of being able to break them down. Um, but the the thing is, we're going to have to, we're going to get, we better get used to this. Yes, I agree with that. Teams, yeah, most teams are going to set up like this, and um, we just have to find quality in the right areas in zone four. And again, that's if you, you know that's that's critical. We, we did a better job this week, I thought, of of, of moving forward and the goals. Although I think we, uh, the Wigan Knights would want the second goal back by Kenny because I think that was too much space to give him. Yes. But, um, first off, I thought they I thought they set up well and uh, they'd have been pleased. But it's a matter of time with our style in terms of breaking teams down that they'll start getting tired, and you saw that certainly last in the last twenty minutes of the game. I totally agree with that. And Max, I'm going to go over to you. I want your thoughts on what Janos just shared and want your view on this because the first half, to be honest with you, 
was not great by phone. But I think you have to give Wiggins some credit for that. And then, like Yana said, it's probably a little bit of uh, each here, Fulham and Wigan, the reason why we saw what we saw in the first half. But um, it's interesting because I thought, like Yana said, it was just a matter of time. But I do think that in the second half, we were moving the ball quicker. I think something was said at halftime that changed everything. What are your thoughts about why we struggled specifically in the first half? It's a good question because I think it just until we get that first goal, sometimes we struggle. And it's just such a momentum changer when we get that initial goal things start to be easier for us. But, yeah, they just frustrated us. And I think, um, you know, it's been said in the past that the wingers might be an issue for us in attack because yep. when we were amazing in that 17-18 season, it was with Castiglione and they got a Piazone or Aite, but these players aren't out-and-out wide wingers that often look like uh, inverted and linking up with Mitro in the middle. So it could be the issue that, you know, when you're, when you're wide, like Knockout and Cavalera are, they aren't quite getting involved in the attack like that, yeah. like other players have in the past. And we just struggle to really create, as Yana said, in zone four, which is crucial. Right. And again, it's that kind of quick pace of play, which can seem to be a shoot because teams like Wigan, they, they'll give us the ball there, but they won't necessarily let us have it in the dangerous areas. So unless we have that quick penetration, unless the wingers might get a little bit more inside to let the fullbacks go down the wing, that's kind of how that attack can do well. But right now it's just not happening. Um, and, and, it, and it really shouldn't be that difficult against teams like Wigan, honestly, at home. Right. Do you think switching, when they do switch, and they switch during this match, talking about Narcard and Cavallaro, I think that made an impact. Yeah, I, I think it did. Because um, I think it does offer something different, right? Narcard's very left-footed, so he might do better on the, on the left wing. Uh, he scored his goal against um, uh, last, like two laps ago when he had that kind of missed cross that went from the chip. That was from when, when he was playing on the left, so... That can make a difference, but I don't think it made a massive difference, honestly. I just want to see, okay. you know, Brian and Sessignon further upfield. And Sessignon, again, did kind of tuck in the middle that time. Yep. But I just want to let, I just want Sky to tell him, get down the right wing. Because he can be dangerous there. I, I know. I, it's, it's not that complicated. Like, this is an amazing tactical adjustment I'm calling for. But it would just be such a difference, I think, to have our fullbacks get up the pitch. And that's something that has been puzzling me. Yeah, so I want to get your thoughts. We've talked about this already yeah. with Steven Session, and he's a young player, but he does seem to cut inside more central. Why do you think this is? Do you think he's being instructed by Parker to do this? I hope not. Um, I, I hope not. I think that um, I think because he's playing on that right hand side, you really want to you really want to be able to to take that ball down the byline because right. You're not always going to get left-sided, um, left-footed, left-sided midfielders, or necessarily even sometimes a left-footed left-back. I think that's, uh, I think that's a youth thing. I, I love the fact that Parker's giving him a good run, and and he's got the, the safety blanket of Dennis Adoy on the bench. I mean, I wouldn't, you know, with the two games coming up, I wouldn't actually be surprised if Adoy starts against Reading, just to give Sess a little bit of a break. Right. Um, because these the games are going to come thick and fast, and really the um, the squad management is going to become critical. He's going to start looking at his bench, and he's also going to be looking at players who like um, Nayskins that can't get even can't even get on the bench to just to rotate the, the, the squad. And I think it's going to be, you know, I think certain players are going to pick themselves. Uh, I don't will not have to worry about those changes. But for a few of the players, I think it'd be good, a new, a new look. But I think that's, um, 
I think he's letting him play. I think that's what it is. He's letting okay. him play and, and they'll iron out, the, iron out the mistakes. I think Sess has done pretty well. He's made a few mistakes, but he's still sure. a kid. And, um, you know, um, we've got a Doyle sitting in the background. And let's not forget um, Cyrus Christie, who wasn't on the bench either yesterday. That's right. Come in and do a job. And what's interesting that you mentioned, again, we're talking about Stephen Session. I think having Dennis Adoy play and him watch could benefit him, his ability to yeah. develop. Because I think yeah. if watching, I think, is a good thing. I think that might benefit him. That's just my thoughts. And I'm glad that we're talking about that. Okay, yeah. guys, let's move on and let's talk about, let's really get into this and talk about the starting 11 and the 18 overall. Because I'm curious your views on this. Max, I'll go to you. What, what were your thoughts when you saw the uh, 18? Well, Johansson was back. You know, that was the big change. I thought that was great because he needed some bit more combative for this match against Wiggins, so I was happy to see him in there. Again, I mean, Bobby Decorative Reed dropped the bench as a result, and I just haven't seen enough from him to justify another starting space. I, I like the idea of him, honestly, but yeah. he has not produced in the attacking sense. I don't think he's, he's up to it starting week in, week out. So I think that's positive that we only have those options, you know, Johansson to come in. We just have a lot of sentiment fielders, which is very positive for me. I thought him and – so you have him and Reed in, in the midfield, and they look quite good. Reed got stuck in early on. I'm, again, pleased with him. And then, you know, you go to the bench and no McDonald. I think they said that was an injury. Gentleman Jim said, but, I mean, it's amazing. I can't have a look in, essentially, since that first match. So kind of shows our depth, but also the players left behind. We thought would be massive players, you know, coming to the season. Everyone is saying, you know, you have Hanson, Kennedy, and McDonald still could cut it. One match in, and McDonald's a forgotten man. So, he is. to think about the players left behind. As Giannis mentioned, Cabana early on, and now right. you can add McDonald to that list. Right, and I believe McDonald was uh, dealing with an injury, but he hasn't featured pretty much at all, a uh, very little bit. So it's just interesting, and this is something I want to talk about before we really break down this match. But before we do that, I want to focus on the midfield three. I just want to – Giannis, go over to you and get your view of the uh, starting 11 in the 18 overall, and then we're going to track back and talk about the midfield three. Well, Steph Joe picked himself because of the art and nonsense in the last game. Um, To me, Arthur and Reed would be the the perfect two there. Okay. And and that's a message that that Scotty sent to Harry, look, you know, I want you to do your job and I want you to do it with discipline, no, no nonsense. And, he did come off the bench. I expect Arda to play down at Reading on Tuesday night and Johansson to sit. I think that's going to be, I'm going to predict that there's going to be a couple of changes on Tuesday night. He'll be one of them, and I think Knockhart will be the other. Um, I think Bobby Reed will come in for that game at Reading. Okay. Um, but but I do think that, um, um, I mean, Steph, Joe has shown some some good discipline. Reed picks himself right now. Um, and and really, no, no complaints. I mean, it, you know, Really, no, you can't you can't complain about the back four. Um, at some point, sorry, Max. At some point, I want to see Marek get a get a game. I want to see him get a game. I, I, I do, I mean, and I'm not not in the FA Cup. Huh? Why? Why? Because I, because what? I don't because I don't think it's any different from the position players. I think you've got to refresh. I mean, you know, oh, come a, on, that's being not a, true. Being, I agree. I know. I think I think it's the mental game. I think. Um, being a keeper is is a, is a stressful job, and I don't think. See, Max, I, I tend to agree with him somewhat to the Stephen Sessegnon situation. You, let let him watch me? a little bit. Are you kidding? Yeah. Me? What, no, no. what do you think that would do to Betts' confidence? It's like you can't just lose a person. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Swap it and out. 
Rodak, Rodak can't play in the U23s. And if Betts goes down injured, the, the kid comes in cold. And you can't just play him in the, the Caribou Cup and, and the FA Cup. You've got to still give him a bit of a run out. And he is the backup keeper. Yeah. And I think we've got a lot of games coming up soon. I'm not saying necessarily the next game, but at some point, you know, with the, with the mountain of games coming up, you've got to give him a run out. You, you've got to give him a game. Just give him a game. Got to do a game. Just, just, I mean, as much for, yeah, just as much as Betts giving oh. Betts a, a break for one no. and giving Mar- <laughs> Rodek a chance. Because, again, we're, we're, thin, we're really thin with Fabry gone and yep. Rico gone. And I just think it keeps, much like you do a little bit of squad rotation with the outfielders, okay. you just bring him in for one game. I don't think it's, I don't think it's a risk, personally. Okay. But anyway, and, that's just a story for another day. Topic for another day. Uh, well, it's interesting because, again, this is going to go a little bit to what I want to talk about before we break down the match because we're talking about the starting 11, the 18, and we're talking about rotating certain players. And yeah. right now, and again, I, I believe Gentleman Jim said that he feels that Scotty has about 15 players he can use on a regular basis and and that you might see some rotation. But let's talk about the midfield three because I'm curious both of your views on this because, again, we have all these matches coming up, all these midweek matches. Yeah. But if I go back a few seasons ago, the midfield three, when it was really established, unless there was an injury, we knew what the midfield three was. I mean, it did change a little bit because, you know, you did have Ollie Norwood making some appearances. But when push came to shove, we knew what the midfield three was. It was yeah. McDonald, Johansson, and Kearney. Now, right now, and Max, I'll go to you first. What do you do if you're Scott Parker? Because do you try to find a three that you can count on for each and every match, or do you rotate because of all of these matches? So I'm curious your view on this. He has several choices. Do you think that we need a three that can play each and every match to build up that camaraderie that, you know, that, that everyone's on the same page or should he be rotating from match to match based on the opponent? What are your thoughts on the midfield three? Because that to me is the engine room. Yeah. I mean, ideally you want to find that three who you can depend on week in, week out, but we don't have that right now, which is not great, you know, but if he had that three, of course he'd start that three, but we don't know who it is. Right. You asked us three, three weeks ago who that three is. Harry Arder is probably first, first choice in the list. I mean, we were waxing lyrical about him in the first couple of matches of the season after he gets sent off against Cardiff and after his tirade against Wednesday. We don't know if he's dependable anymore. I can't say for sure that he's going to be a for sure member of that three just because of his, his hot-headedness. Um, I think Carey's definitely in there. But apart from that, I don't think anyone has a, a spot at the shirt. Right, and that's like what's interesting. Reed. Yeah, and that's it. Yeah, cause, and I think if Parker knew his first three, I think he played them a lot. He likes okay. consistency, in my opinion. But I think he's just still figuring it out. So okay. from maybe it'll be Johansson comes into the games where it's more physical. I think Reed might be a constant, uh, uh, Harrison Reed, and then Decadova Reed can come in when we want to be more attacking. When we That's right. Or counterattacking. So it, it's a tough one because we have a lot of options, which is good. But at the same time, there's not really that consistency. Right, that cohesion between the three. That's why I wanted to bring this up. Yanis, I want to get your view on this because I was thinking about the situation that Scott Parker has. He has options with the midfield three, but who are they? Should there be three distinct players that he can count on each and every match, or does it depend on who they're playing, or is it who's hot this 
week and, you know, or someone isn't playing up to snuff, then he has to change because there doesn't seem to be the consistency yet. I don't think he's found his midfield three yet. What are your thoughts? Well, if Rodak goes in net, Betts can play in the middle. <laughs> okay. Um, I think, no, actually, I think, you know, you made a good point about, the, you know, a few years ago with the, well, the two years ago with the Central Three. Right. I think we got a little, we got a little bit lucky because we really didn't pick up major injuries. I think the way I see it, you've got your Steph, Joe, Reed, Kearney, and Harry Arter, and right. I think Reed and Kearney right now pick themselves. So you do the rotation between Steph, Joe, and Arter. That's why I think Arter plays on Tuesday. Okay. You, okay. He got the red card. Yes. He it was a shithouser against Sheffield Wednesday. Yes. But then don't detract from the performances other than that. He's, he's played. He's, he's played well. So you know, um, I, I like that. You've got the two central, and then you rotate one in for out, and if you need to make a thing, and then you sub in for out. I, I like, I like the way that's set. Well, what about the Cordova Reed? What about his role because he can play up front too? Yeah, so I like I like him coming in for one of the wingers. Okay, and then we've we've not seen the best of him. I expect him to play on. He's one of the at least two changes I would make. I'd bring him in. I'm gonna say. Um, Probably, I'd actually say for Cavallero um, Tuesday night and stick him on the right hand side because he can score goals and he is quick. Um, and then, and that's a good variation. And you can see even bringing someone like Bobby Reed on compared to you know, Floyd Aite. You know, we had Aite and Cabana. You can see the upgrade in terms of the wingers that we've got. So um, it's a bit of tinkering. He could, he could, he could base changes in lineup on. Fatigue. You can base it on, um, you know, who they're playing. But I think a lot of it should just be just the common sense thing. It's you know, Steph Joe's played ninety minutes against Wigan. Yes, they've got ninety six hours between games. Okay. Art has come off the bench. He's done all right. Put Art in there, and then and then Steph Joe can come off the bench in the second half against Reading. So he's got a few options there. Um, okay. But two pick themselves, Reed and Kearney. Totally agree, Yanis, but as we move along in the season, I understand what you're saying. I understand what Max is saying. At some point, we're talking maybe in the second half of the season, do we have to have a defined midfield three so they can basically have that cohesion, or do you think that this could be going on throughout the entire season? If I was Scotty, I would do I would do the second. I would, okay. um, yeah, because I like the fact that you can bring one in, one out. I think it just otherwise, if you've got consistency is one thing, but even if you look at the best team, you look at, um, let's say, Man City, Liverpool, yep. they still rotate. They do. You're they right still, about that. You know, and um, it's a different um, face. It's a different perspective. Um, you know, it's it's um, it's it's not as um, it's not as regimented. I think you I think you can do that with the middle. I don't think you can necessarily do it at the back. If you've got a back three or back four that's playing really really outstanding. Then there's just that's no point. I mean, Maxime Lamarchon might as well get a heating cushion because he's <laughs> because he's. I mean, I don't. I'm, I mean, when when's he ever going to come off the bench? You know, sure. I mean, Morton and Ream are playing out of their skins, and so is Brian and Sess is playing well. So you know, unless Max can play that, he could be the number three. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Max, what are your thoughts about all this before we move on? Yeah, I mean. So who, who would be my number one, um, the number, yeah, first choice midfield three? And I think, yeah, honestly, makes a good point. You know, Reed and Carey are pretty much not, like, they're nailed on. Yeah. Go to that third position. And exactly. I, it's tough. I mean, Johansson Arter, 
and it really could swap each week. So that's the thing is that it, it it's going to. Well, change. we did have Ollie Norwood play play a decent yeah, amount of matches, yeah. so there is precedent for it. Who's now who's now killing it in the Premier League? He, so he certainly is. So maybe uh, that was a bit foolish for us not to <laughs> get him back. But um, yeah, it, it's tough. But until someone really stands out, I think we'll still see this rotation. Okay. And I mean, really credit to our summer business in that respect yeah. because Harrison Reed, Declan Overy, both deadline day, and Arder was also the bottom in the summer. So we needed to strengthen there after losing Sari and Gisa and Chambers, and I think we did well. I do too, Max. It's just an interesting situation because I'm trying to pinpoint why Fulham aren't flowing like they did, say, a couple seasons ago. Again, it's it's different under Slavisa, so I'm kind of focusing on the midfield three, but I do like where both of you are, are talking about this because it really does give options for Scott Parker to mix and match if he needs to, to rotate. And even the best teams, as Giannis said, they rotate. So maybe I'm just focusing too much on this and maybe we just see how this all plays out and just you know all of these players just just learn each other's moves a little bit more and and get on the same page so things flow a little bit better so that's that's kind of where I was going on that all right all right guys let's move on to the match let's talk about the first half I'll just mention some key moments and just get your overall view of it and let's give Wigan some credit because they had a shot early on in the third minute and then I just noticed a pattern with uh, Wigan. They were really rough and foam up, and we saw a great deal of that, especially in the first half. And you heard uh, someone's voice, and we could talk about this too as we all watch this on the stream. You heard the manager, the Wigan manager, very often. He was very loud and, uh, let's just say, a little obscene at times. Is, is that fair to say, Max? Yeah, I mean, he was cursing the entire match. He was furious. <laughs> And it was embarrassing, honestly. He was he was having okay. high rates left and right. Um, that's passion right there. But I don't know whether it was guided at the right person. Okay. And we heard a great deal of that. But I just thought I'd mention that. Okay, so let's mention, like I said, I talked about the opportunity early for Wigan. And then Fulham had some opportunities in the 19th minute. Mawson's shot just misses off of a corner. And then you have a – this is a cross by Knockhart that was saved in the 20th minute. Marshall is a very good goalkeeper. He did a very good yeah. job in this match. And then you have a shot by Harrison Reed in the 28th minute. Mitro had a shot that was saved by Marshall in the 37th minute. 39th minute, again, you have an opportunity from Knockhart. And then lastly, in the 41st minute, Mitro's shot just goes over. And this is set up by Anthony Knockhart. But this wasn't a really good brand of football from Fulham, even though I'm talking about these opportunities. So, Giannis, I'll go to you first. Give me your view of the first half. Uh, it wasn't the quickest in terms of the movement of the ball. We weren't the most incisive, but I didn't really feel that they were going to they were going to unlock us. I thought that it was the thing that we've got to realise as fans is the way we play, and because of the, the quality of the person we've got, it's got to be a game of patience. Um, you mentioned earlier about you know when we went on our twenty three game uh, run with Slavica, that really sort of started t- towards the middle of the season. We're only nine games in. And we're still trying to find our feet. I think Scotty's got an idea about who his strongest 11 is. But um, I think as the weather starts to deteriorate and the fields start getting heavier and the conditions you know, start getting more problematic, I think that's where the quality of, of what we've got in the field is going gonna, is gonna, to um, show. I think a couple of months from now, we're, we're all over Wigan in the first half and we might be a couple of goals up. 
But fair play to them, they work very hard. As I said, they're they're a better side than the one that got relegated. They they're um I anticipate they're gonna stay up and they do have some quality players in there and uh, they made it difficult. It'd be nice to have gone a goal goal up, but uh it gave Scotty a chance to regroup with the lads and um just I think we needed to be a little bit quicker and I think in zone three I thought our passing wasn't as quick as it needed to be and I needed to see a little bit more movement off the ball. I felt if we did that in the second half, we'd, we'd get uh, more chances in four and then we'd, we'd uh, eventually be able to unlock them. Okay. And I think that's a very good analysis of the first half. Max, your thoughts on what Jan shared and your view of the, of the first half? Because as I said on full time, I thought Fulham were just too methodical, too slow. And I think Giannis was talking a little bit about that. Yeah, I totally agree. Methodical, slow, disjointed, whatever word you want to use, we all saw the same thing, and it just was not a polished product. And it takes a while for us to get out of that initial, you know, we, we start games slow often. But one thing I've noticed is that a huge percentage of our goals have come in the five minutes either before halftime or after halftime. Um, if you think about what we scored against Wednesday, when we scored this match yeah. right after in the second half, um, going away at Cardiff. You scored right before halftime. It's kind of a trend that we get goals at that kind of sweet spot from the 40th to 50th minute. So I don't know what that really says about us, but either before, right before we go into the locker room or right after, we're motivated or we're seeing, listen, we got to get a goal at the perfect time. So whereas we really struggle to score early on, those goals tend to come towards the end of the half and then right at the start of the second half. So although maybe that's, just take, that's the time it takes for us to heat up and get in our rhythm, but it shouldn't take that long. and this game would have been so much more different if we had just gotten an early goal in the first 15 minutes, get a second goal before halftime, and then see it out comfortably. Whereas, I'm sure we'll talk about this in the second half, there was a good 10 to 15 minute chunk after they scored yep. when Wigan started to play. And Absolutely. And we by surprise. Absolutely, Max. And, and that's what was frustrating because that seems to be a pattern as well. You're talking about patterns of scoring goals. The worrying pattern is after we score a goal, then the other team seems to get on on top and put Fulham under pressure, and and there doesn't seem to be a quick enough reaction. Uh, and I, we've seen this now in several matches. That's what's concerning. So we definitely will talk about that in regards to the second half. And honestly, I just wanted the first half to end. I was just disappointed by Fulham's play, and I think the two of you really nailed why I was disappointed. The opportunities was were there, as I mentioned. I do think Wigan played a part in it. But I also think Fulham played a part in it, so I thought Giannis did a good job of talking about there's a little bit of both there and maybe moving the ball quicker, maybe changing things up a little bit, changing the wingers, what side they're on. And I thought that might have helped a little bit. And um, so eventually we saw an improvement, and that goes to the second half. So let's go right into it. I'll just talk about some key moments. We'll stop a little bit, and then we'll get overall assessment of the second half. And let's start right now just talk about Fulham come out strong and they get the goal from Joe Bryan. Giannis, I'll give you the honors on the goal from Joe Bryan. It was very early on, 47th minute. And um, this started off of a free kick and Bryan had two shots at it. Second shot goes in the back of the net. Your thoughts? Well, it was, um, I'm sure Scotty had a... I don't think he would have laid into the, play, the lads at half-time. He'd have just said, look, it looks a little ponderous, it looks a little slow, let's... Let's put more in the back foot. We're attacking the Hammers with them. Let's do what we do and do it, and do it best. And it was a, the cross that came in was a nice one. 
and Brian smacked it with his lovely little left foot and say, say it's been blocked and then he hits it with his right, which is funny. And it's just it's just gone in. It's, it's, it's a lovely goal. But then he's like, look, let's, he's been he's been playing out of his lights. Right, he's he has been playing out of his lights um, for several games now, and I'm delighted that he could score. It's not just the glory of the strikers. It's great when the defenders can chip in as well. And it's a right. good goal. I think you could sense the relief around the cottage um, when we got that goal. We didn't want to go on our ways. We're gonna have a you know, we're gonna have a not, another Nottingham Forest you know, um, steal away from home. And I, felt, I did feel half-time if we got an early goal, then we'd, we'd, we'd put them away. And um, you could sense the relief around the college with the fans. It was a good goal. And um, from that point on, I really did only think there was going to be one winner. Okay. And I understand that, Yanis. And before I go on any further, because I've already mentioned this, so I, I want to get your view on what we talked about prior. After Fulham score, then obviously Wigan is – coming out of their shell a little bit, and they're putting pressure on Fulham. And why do you feel, I'm curious your view on this, that Fulham have a hard time getting that second goal? The second goal comes, but it's not to the 83rd minute. We'll talk about that in just a bit. So this has been a common theme. What's your view on it? I think, firstly, it's, it's the way teams are set up. Uh, I think teams often are setting up not to lose rather than to try and go and win. Um, I think that... Uh, whether we like it or not, a lot of the games, even though it's, you know, games aren't played on paper, coaches, you know, scout the teams, scout the teams, and they look at the lineup that goes out, and they go, okay, look at this lot, they can throw all these bombs at us. If we go a goal down early, we're in real trouble. We could, you know, people are going to look back to the Millwall thumping, you know, four that could have been 10, and said, look, the longer we stay in Millwall, the longer we've got a chance, and we know that they're vulnerable even at a goal, a goal up because they can't seem to kill teams. I think a lot of that is a mindset. I think they've still got to get used to each other. I think getting the second goal late will be, will be very good, um, okay. because I think they probably needed that. Um, I'm not sure the psychology of going games away late. I mean, you look at what happened down in Swansea yesterday. Reading, Reading were never in the game down there, never in the game, and then they... Um, they got a, they got an equaliser late, which pissed a lot of uh, the Swans fans. Yeah. Off. But um, you know, part of it is the playing together, part of the discipline, and you know, the psychology of the game too. But after the first goal, I really didn't think they were going to come back. They, they, yeah, they did open up a little bit. I just don't think they that they and many teams have the quality quality to break down defensively what we do. I just think we're very strong defensively and. Uh, and that's why we've not conceded many goals so far this year. Okay, excellent. And, Max, I'm going to go to you in just a second because it's a good point from Giannis because there were now opportunities after this. Now, they, again, Wigan looked like they were opening up and creating chances for themselves. But really, did they did they test Bettinelli? The answer is no. They just looked more dangerous, especially their fullbacks looked dangerous. But – Again, nothing really came of it. And then, listen, Fulham had some opportunities to score. Knockhart had a shot in the 63rd minute. And, you know, again, you had some other chances. You had a, a great one from Mitro that just goes wide in the 68th minute. And that all leads to the goal by Kearney. It's all the way in the 83rd minute. I'll give you the honors. Talk about the goal from Tom Kearney. Yeah, it was a great <clears throat> counterattack from us. And all credit here to Knockhart because his run sets us all up. 
And in a very unselfish move, which is not really that characteristic for him, I was surprised, but he drags essentially three Wigan defenders to him, and they think he's going to essentially or cut in, shoot with his left. But he just weighs a perfectly weighted uh, cutback to carry on the end of the box. And because he, his momentum and his pace took all the Wigan defenders towards him, and, and the swift cutback of the carry, Kenny's all space and time to fashion that lovely finish. So Knockhart, I think, does a great job of uh, distracting the defenders, giving Carney all that time, and he's one of the best in the division, if not the country, at those kind of shots. I mean, the exact right. same one we saw earlier, you know, against against Blackburn. I mean, he fashions it up, and you just know that's headed to the top corner. It was a lovely, lovely strike. Post stamp. Okay, and then after the goal, Fulham see it out, two 0 Max, do you think that's a the two nil scroll line? Do you think that shows exactly how this match went, or or do you think Fulham should have won by more? I mean, I think that was fair considering the run of play. Two nil, yeah, good, solid victory. It wasn't a thrashing, but we weren't particularly close, so we got to actually a very a very fitting scoreline. Okay, how about you, Giannis? Do you agree with that? Do you think the scroll line? really shows how this match played out? Yeah, I do. I, I think Paul Cook will be very disappointed with Kearney's goal, though, um, because, you know, w- you know, teams know what Kearney can do with that left foot, and, I, and they backed off him, and I'm sure I didn't see the bench's reaction after the goal, but he might, I, I, I will imagine he will have been upset with the manner of that goal, just because you can't give him that kind of space to take the shot from that distance. Sure. It's just not, it doesn't, it doesn't work, and that would have been one of the scouting reports. Just, just don't give him any time to, to, to unleash that left foot. And of course, by that time, they were getting tired, and uh, we were, you know, the, the second half that we, we picked up the pace, and uh, it was a lovely goal by Kearney. But I think Cook will probably say that it was a, a goal in it, and he'll be disappointed with that, just the manner of that goal. But I thought we played well enough to get the to, to get the two goals, and I think we deserve the three points. Oh, I totally agree with that. And uh, should we have won by more? I don't know about that. And because I want to give Wigan some credit there because they had a game plan, Giannis. They played it fairly well, but Fulham have too much quality for them. And that ended up being the difference for me in the match. And, you know, it's funny, guys, because I've heard a lot of talk about this, and I agree with this. You can see it on social media. You can actually hear it on other podcasts that I've listened to. I want to give credit. I can't remember where I heard it. It might have been – on uh, the Fulmish YouTube channel, they were talking about, well, we're going to need to win matches like this. And I agree with that. You know, I think it actually shows character to beat teams like this. Let's go to Blackburn. Same thing. I think they're yeah. going to have to win matches like that. And, Giannis, I'm glad that you brought this up because there are two examples of teams getting the equalizer late. You talked about the situation with Reading. I talked about the week prior where Darby County had no business getting a point against Leeds. None, absolutely none, but they got a point. And this, to me, is what you need to do. You need to find ways to get all three points instead of getting that sucker punch, which now has happened to Fulham as well. So are you encouraged, Giannis, by a victory like this? And I'll even mention the Blackburn. We do have the other side of it, Sheffield Wednesday. We have other examples. So are you encouraged by the way they saw this match out? Yeah, because if you look at there were a number, I am, because there were, there were a number of draws in the division yesterday. Right. Um, I mean, I forgot to mention Cardiff, Danny Ward tied it up for Cardiff at Hull in the, in the 90th minute as well. Right, it's the same thing. 
Yeah, and there's a lot of draws. You can see that, you know, the fact that we're tenth, but we're three points off. I mean, there's a. It, it's interesting because the bottom half's looking a little dodgy now. Brent Fodder are winning at, at um, Barnsley right now. Um, so the Fodder, um, Blundersfield, and Stock are, are rooted at the bottom right now. And there seems to be a, a bit of a gap opening up already between the bottom half and the top half. Right. Um, but in the top half, there seems to be a lot of parity right now because there have been a lot of draws. That's, I mean, we've got three draws in nine, and really all three of them we should have won. You know, and then you look That's at the right. two defeats, well, we should never, we, logically, we should never have lost to Barnsley. And Barnsley have only right. won one game this year. <laughs> and, um, and, and the Forest game as well, where we really had enough chances to score a, a cricket score. I think it's encouraging. Um, yep. It'd be good if we can get early goals, a goal first 10, 15 minutes, and then get a second where we can start doing what we did against Millwall, where we just started schooling them. Um, but I think that's going to come with time. Yep. It's just, um, but it is a good win. Uh, and, you know, Wigan are where they are, but I think they're, you know, they're a much better team than their, 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 their um, ta- the table shows. And I, I'm fully confident they're going to stay up this year. Okay. Max, I want to get your view on this because I've given this some thought. And like I said, I've listened to some very good conversation about it. And I believe it was full mission that it, good for those guys for talking about it on the, on their YouTube channel, because it's a good point. When I look at it now, when I really look at it two days later, I think this is a more important win than you probably think. If you're listening to this podcast, this is my opinion of the way they won this match, because you're going to have to win matches like this. They're not all going to be easy. You're going to have to figure out a way to get all three points. And as Yana said, there are a lot of draws, and there's these fine margins. They have to overcome the fine margins. This, to me, is an encouraging sign. Your thoughts? Yeah, you know, I, I agree with you on that point, but you know, I think normally we say that those kind of things after uh, a close away win against a good side. That you know, it wasn't pretty, but we went to a tough place and got three points. Right. We don't normally reserve those words for a win over a, a team who, in, in all honesty, is not really anywhere near our quality at home, right? So that's the difference. I think this is a home match against a poor team. It shouldn't have been this laborious, but it was. Uh, so, but you're right. It's important because it starts off the winning run, and now we have a really winnable set of fixtures coming up, and this can start the momentum, you know? Right. What started the 23 match and being run uh, back in 2017, it was a 2-1 home win over Barnsley. Right, very close, very tight, but all it takes is one close home win, right? Like to start off something special. Exactly. So, and I think you're right in that sense. It doesn't have to be pretty. Just get the ball rolling, and hopefully the confidence and the wins will follow. Okay, very good. All right, guys, let's look at the full time stats. I think they're revealing. Possession Fulham had sixty percent to forty percent for Wigan. Total shots twenty one to five in favor of Fulham on target six on target for Fulham, a big zero. For Wigan, nil for Wigan. That is telling. Corners seven to four in favor of Fulham. Crosses twenty three to eight in favor of Fulham. Passing accuracy. This is a stat that is usually a good indicator for Fulham. It was eighty six percent, and Wigan were at seventy three percent. Fouls were in favor of Wigan sixteen to fourteen. Okay, Giannis, what stands out to you from the full time stats? Well, the last time I looked, unless you have a shot on target, you're not going to you're not going to score. <laughs> so it's um, and I think that, again that's testament to to what we did defensively again um, yep. yesterday. Um, to me, we have the best the best back four in the division. 
I don't think there's any I don't think there's any question. I think it's just so full of quality that it gives us a lot more freedom to to attack quicker, which is what we should be doing really. We shouldn't be afraid of counter-attacking teams because there aren't many teams that scare me in terms of their ability to hit us on the break. Um, but not having, I mean, they, I know they had what five, six shots, but none on target. It's just, it's, it's wonderful. And I'm sure Mr. Uh, Coach Cook is not going to be very happy Monday morning when they look at the game tape. And um, they do, as I said, I do, I do think they have some quality, but we played well enough defensively to nullify that threat. And so it's always, it's, it's, it's a wonderful statistic when you keep a clean sheet, but also you, you keep a, you know, a zero on the board when it comes to conceding shots on target. Okay. How about you, Max? Yeah, I mean, 40% possession is honestly a big, big margin for Wigan. Good for them. Um, we don't normally keep it that tight, so uh, that's kind of surprising. But as well, you know, 21 shots, that's a lot. I didn't, I didn't even think we had 21 shots. That's surprising for me because that really shows domination, whereas I don't remember us having that many scoring opportunities, but I guess only what, five or six of them were on target. So that tells the story as well. And, yeah, the passing actually, that's quite good, 86%. That shows, you know, we did have that domination. But also, uh, Giannis would say, yeah, I do think our back four is very strong. And remember, at, at then Monday, there was a collective just freak out about we didn't have enough center halves. Now, we need to get Michael Hester, and if we didn't get him over the line, it would be a disaster. And Moss and Areem were not good enough, and LaMarshawn wasn't good enough. And, and looking at us today, I think the defense might just be the strongest part of us right now, you know? So, and the midfield might be the issue. And, and I was saying, bring in a holding midfielder, bring in one midfielder. So that's really a strength and not a center of defense. And it, it's shown that our defense is very strong, which is, which you'd be very surprised to hear after, you know, the first couple matches of the season when that looked to be, a lot of people said that was our weakest point. So fair credit to Moss and Nareem for forming a really nice partnership. And I think they really do look, as Giannis said, one of the best in the division. It's great to see them really build this up. And it's funny because I've seen some criticism on social media, on the play of uh, Alfie Mawson in this last match. I don't understand it because I thought he was solid. Did he have one bad pass? I saw one bad pass. I didn't see multiple bad passes. One bad pass. But I think that the uh, cohesion that he's making with Tim Ream is good. And Tim Ream has been making some fantastic passes. And, of course, on top of it, we're going to have another center back joining us in January. So, But this unit right now, the two of them, have been very strong, and we should be very happy with that. And I don't think enough has been talked about the back four. I'm glad that Yanis brought it up because, again, listen, Stephen Sessignon's doing his job, and Joe Bryan certainly has as well. All right. Now let's say we're talking about man of the match. And what's interesting about it is that I'm going to share some comments on man of the match. There's some decent amount of them who people believe were man of the match. I'll just mention that on the phone website, they just released their results, and it was Tom Kearney. So before I get your thoughts on who was man of the match. I'm just going to share some here. First on the Cutters Talk Facebook page, Chris Boss said Steph Joe for him. Ron Watson said Tom Kearney. David Miller said Joe Bryan. Barry Oliver said Joe Bryan. Craig Coben said Joe Bryan. And uh, let's see what else we have. Frank Tank Golding says Tom Kearney. Kevin Hudson, Tom Kearney. George Tasker, Tom Kearney. Stephen Fulham Wheatley, Tom Kearney, Morin O'Leary, Tom Kearney, and Stephen Butters, Tom Kearney. That's all on the Cottage Talk Facebook page. On the Twitter page, James Doughton said Tom Kearney. And uh, 
Pig Idea One says again, Tom Kearney. So we get we're seeing a lot of Tom Kearney. The four seventy one on the Cottage Talk Twitter page though said Tim Reed. So that's that's interesting there. Colm Bugler said Harrison Reed. Doy Doy sixty four. I love that. It says Reem. So we have a little bit of everything, guys. And I'm glad that someone said Tim Reem because I thought he played very well. And uh, a lot of votes for Joe Bryan. That was uh, Emilio's pick. Max, I'll go to you first. It can't be Marcus Bettinelli, okay? Can't be. Or can't uh, be. Also, clean sheet, superb performance. No saves yet to make, but his presence was good enough to dispel all the shots. Great player, England number one. Get him on the plane to the car. Uh, now, uh, I'm going to go Tom Carey. Uh, I think that seems to be a consensus pick, although there aren't a lot of other opinions, but yep. I think he actually got stuck in a lot defensively uh, on Friday, which was a big bonus. Something okay. that a lot of people give him sick boys, doesn't get physical enough. He showed the physical side of his game and the technique and the skill. I mean, what, what a goal that was, though. He's going to be my man in the match. But the reason why I think there's so, so much variation, no one really stood out. You know, it, was, it was a kind of a nice team performance or they're really no standout individuals I, I yep. can say so Carrie's the closest one to me not to create man in the match okay how about you Giannis this is going to be a painful one for me um, for for keeping a clean sheet yesterday um, and I hate to say this I'm going to give man of the match to um, Tim Ream okay I thought you were going somewhere I, different uh, yeah <laughs> That's what I've got. I thought I thought I thought Tim Ream was absolutely magnificent yesterday. I, yeah, I, I agree. I, 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 you know, um, Kearney had an excellent game, and nine times out of ten, I'd give it to him. But but you watch Ream yesterday, and the way he was commanding that defence, and his passing, and his awareness, it, it just he's so at the top of his game right now. It's so much quality, and uh, I thought he was just. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Tim Ream. Tim Ream's my man of the match. Okay. Yeah, let's back to Ream because, again, if we go back to last season, he just wasn't good. There was an injury that he was dealing with, especially at the beginning of the yeah. season. Yeah. Was that a reason for it, or was it also he just isn't Premier League quality? Because, again, we're, we're, is this just his level? Is that what it is? I think it's a bit – again, Ross, I think it's a bit of both. I mean – you know, I was watching um, I was watching the Everton Man City game yesterday, and I actually I thought Everton actually played pretty well. And I you agree. Know, I, I you know they've got Keenan and Mina at the back, and they're good two good centre backs. I like the fullbacks, Coleman and an excellent game. But when you've got the sort of quality that City can throw at you, and someone like a Kevin De Bruyne can put a pass and a sixpence, you know it's a it's a different quality. It's a quality even above Premier League. I really I, I mean you got a few of the teams that are really that good. And I think Tim Ream might be, in many ways, a bit of a Dwight Gale. Um, okay. you know, too, good, too good for the championship. Not quite good enough for the Premier League. But that doesn't matter. Because when he's, you know, he's, he's an yeah. international captain. Yeah. Uh, he does sterling work for the US. And, you know, I get to watch a lot of him over here play for the US. He's, he's excellent for his national team too. Yeah. And... Um, He's an absolute pillar. This is remember two years ago he was our player of the season. I mean, people, let's true. not forget that. And he's back. I think he's back to that form right now. And um, I thought yesterday he was just. I said, and Mawson was a, was you know a couple of errant passes, 
But he's going to learn from Reem. I think they're a really good partnership. I and agree. Kevin, as you said, Kevin Hector's coming in in, in um, January. Yeah, Michael Hector. in January. Yeah. So, we, you know, um, and as I said, Maxime Le Marchand has just gone to um, just gone to Walmart to buy an Obus form backrest um, heated <laughs> for keeping his bum on the seat because, unfortunately, right now, barring an injury, he's not going to get a lot of time. Right. Okay. Excellent. Great show, guys. This was a really good show. I thank you so much both for joining me. And we have uh, a lot to look forward to this upcoming week. We have a couple matches, match Yay. against Reading. There's opportunities there. And, uh, Yanis, real quick, let's just end with talking a little bit about Reading. What do you expect on uh, Tuesday for fall? Um, to, probably to cure my, my problems sleeping at night because they're boring. <laughs> But the most boring club in the history of the world is it's a bitch to get to the Modeski Stadium, but they but they will be buoyed by their late um, goal yesterday down down in in Wales. Uh, Ye- I think it was Andy Yadon got the late goal. Yeah. So they're going to be they're going to be a team that will stick around. I think we've got too much quality. I expect two changes for that. I expect Bobby Reed to come in for Caviero, and I expect uh, Harry Arthur to come in for Steph Joe. That'll be a very strong lineup, and I expect us to get three points on Tuesday night. Okay. Max, Tuesday night. Yeah, I mean, it's always a, a tough place to go for us. I can't remember the last time we won there. It, yeah, it's been a while. I mean, last time I was there, it was, I think, December 30th, 2016. It was the match where Chris Martin refused to play. Oh, I remember that. Got a fourth over move, and then the fog huh? meant it was called off. That was a terrible. We were, I was only there for 45 minutes, and you had to go back down. Reading a terrible place to go. But then... <laughs> And I think the funny part was when the match was replayed later in the season, Chris Martin missed the last minute penalty. I think he lost. I remember. So it, it's always a funny play. Something funny always happens at the Nadeski. So just waiting what what it will be this year. And maybe it's Arter scores a goal and gets sent off minutes later. Kind of like Alexis <laughs> Sanchez yesterday for Inter Milan. So we'll okay. <laughs> Very good. And, Max, you're 100% right when it comes to – playing at that stadium. I was at the Crazy 3-3 draw. My very first match of Sam Fulham in person was at the Modeski and that was an insane match and uh, it was actually even though they got only a draw and I thought they should have won that match. It was just a a pleasure to be there but that's a a weird place for Fulham. I don't know why but it really is but I do expect them to win on Tuesday night but we'll have to wait and see. All right, guys, great show, but we do have to wrap this up. For my co-hosts, Yanis Janais and Max Cohen, I'm Russ Goldman. Thank you as always for listening to Cottage Talk. It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.